Hi, this is Kim Dixon, and welcome back. I just wanted to mention that the book Weber County's Greatest Generation 1943 is now available for pre-ordering. The book is 451 pages and covers what was happening in Ogden and Weber County, along with the stories of the men and women who served. And new in this volume, I've included an index with all of the names that are included in the book. So it is $65, which includes tax and shipping, and is available on my website, WeberCountysGreatestGeneration.com. If you're looking for a Christmas gift or a gift for someone who loves history, you might want to take a look. In addition, I am currently updating the 1942 book to include an index. And so if you're interested in the first volume, just keep watching the website. So in the Pacific in 1944 and 1945, there was a two-pronged war with MacArthur leading the army back to the Philippines in the I Shall Return campaign, while Admiral Nimitz was island hopping on his way back to Tokyo. So after taking the islands in the Marianas, we were moving on to Iwo Jima. Iwo Jima is a volcanic island located 660 miles south of the coast of Japan, and the name means Sulphur Island. And they said it looked like a pork chop from the air. The most identifiable feature is Mount Suribachi, the 554-foot volcano that sits on the south end of the island. The entire island is only two miles wide by four miles long, and it is eight square miles that would cost thousands of casualties for the Americans. The island had two significant airfields, with the third being built, and because of that, it was deemed a necessary battle. In addition to the airfields, the island was a historical possession of Japan. As one Japanese officer had said, Iwo Jima is the doorkeeper to Japan. It would be the first time that the Americans were actually invading what was considered a part of Japan. In Admiral Nimitz's plans to work their way to Tokyo, the first of the B-29 bombers began in October of 1944 off of Saipan in the Marianas. They were about 1,346 miles from Tokyo, but Japanese Zeros were taking off from Iwo and intercepting them, as well as attacking Saipan airfields, which were just over 700 miles away. The seizure of Iwo would provide an emergency landing field for crippled B-29 bombers returning from the Japanese mainland, also allow for sea and air blockades, and was a place to launch our defensive planes to protect the B-29s. Originally, when they were estimating the amount of defenses that the Japanese had left after the battles in the Marianas, the U.S. planned a ground attack that would take only a few days. But what they ended up with was one of the most costly and bloody battles in history. So if you are interested in this battle, the book Flags of Our Fathers by James Bradley is excellent, and I highly recommend it. His dad, John, was identified as one of the men in the famous picture Raising the Flag on Suribachi, and Clint Eastwood directed a movie by the same name. So quoting from the book, he says, By the summer of 1944, the Japanese high command concluded that while they couldn't win the war outright, they could force America into a negotiated peace. They were confident the American public would not tolerate a long war with growing casualties in the Pacific, so they organized what they called attrition warfare. That was fighting that would slow the Americans down and inflict maximum casualties. 
And those two tactics would capitalize on the two great strengths of the Japanese troops, their ability to dig in and their ability to endure the most severe shelling. And so over the objections of his superiors, 53-year-old General Tadamichi Kurabashi removed the old beach defenses of the island. He knew that he could not keep the allies on the beach, and he would wait until the beach was covered with Marines and then open fire. Over the next six months, Iwo would become the most fortified island in all of World War II. Going back to his book, he says, By the fall of 1944, a veritable city of 22,000 was functioning below the surface of Iwo Jima. Two additional levels of tunnels had been added, above and below the original tier. The tunnels were large enough for troops to run standing up, and General Kurabayashi himself would direct the battle from his command center, a bulletproof capsule that was 75 feet below the surface. Bradley goes on to say that they had meeting rooms, communication centers, and even hospitals, complete with surgical equipment and operating rooms. And one of the hospitals had beds for over 400 patients. He knew that they would never be able to win the battle, but he also knew that they were willing and would die for every inch of land given up. So in an effort to remove the Japanese threat before the land battle, the U.S. had started carrier raids against Iwo Jima using B-24s coming from the 7th Air Force in June of 1944. Prior to the invasion on February 19th of 1945, the island suffered the longest and most intensive shelling of any Pacific island in the war. And in addition with the air assaults, the Marines had requested 10 days of pre-invasion naval bombardment, but the Navy told them that they were only able to do three. Things were looking good from the air, and the Navy was anxious to move on to their next target. They thought there was little chance that much would be left after the three-day shelling, but unfortunately none of the underground fortresses were visible from the air. But on the morning of the land invasion on February 19, 1945, Before the Marines had landed, more than 450 ships in the harbor bombarded the island with shells. Shortly after 9 a.m., the Marines of the 4th and 5th Divisions hit the beaches designated green, red, yellow, and blue, and a Japanese observer observing from a cave on Suribachi said, at 9 o'clock in the morning, several hundred landing craft and amphibious tanks rushed ashore like an enormous tidal wave. The island was made up of coarse volcanic sand, and it hampered their movements as they struggled at the beach. As the protective gunfire of the Navy stopped to allow them to advance, the Japanese emerged from their underground positions and began a heavy barrage. At Kurabayashi's signal, hundreds of weapons began to open fire shortly after 10 a.m. It was the deadliest and most terrifying bombardment the Marines had ever experienced. There was hardly any cover. Japanese artillery and mortar rounds blanketed every inch of the 3,000-yard beach. Within minutes, the 3rd Battalion, 25th Marines, entire shore field control party had been wiped out. The 28th Marines landed on Green Beach just after 9, and within 90 minutes of hitting the beach, small units from the battalions had reached the other side of the island. The 4th Marines had moved against heavy opposition to take quarry, a Japanese strong point that was about a mile and a half north of Mount Suribachi. More men were landing on the beach, and they had to scramble for their assigned targets. 
The 3rd Battalion, 28th Marines, were fully ashore by 1300 that afternoon, but they took heavy casualties in the water and while crossing the beach. But by late in the afternoon, they had isolated Mount Suribachi from the rest of the island and began to commence attacks against the defenders of the volcano. The 28th Marines were the only one of the four regiments that landed on D-Day that completed their objective. There are a lot of different sources for the number of casualties taken on that first day, but the assault divisions eventually reported the combined loss of 2,420 men, 501 killed, 1,755 wounded, 47 dead of wounds, 18 missing, and 99 with combat fatigue. But they thought it was a miracle that there weren't more casualties and surmised that Kurabayashi had possibly waited a little too long to open up with the big guns. From February 19th to the 23rd, the 28th Marines sought to secure Mount Suribachi. Their progress was initially slow and measured in yards as they fought their way through hundreds of layered and mutually supporting Japanese pillboxes, blockhouses, and strong points. By the morning of February 23rd, Suribachi had been encircled. These men reached the summit at approximately 10.20, and they proceeded to raise a U.S. flag. But fearing the flag was too small and wanting to keep it with his unit, Lieutenant Colonel Chandler Johnson, commander of the 2nd Battalion, 28th Marines, ordered a second patrol to the top of the mountain to replace the flag with a larger one. It was the raising of this second flag that was caught on film by Joe Rosenthal, and it would become the iconic photo of the Pacific campaign. There were several other reporters and photographers with the assault party. Cyril P. Zernland soon became a casualty himself, but described at Tarawa, Saipan, and Tinian, I saw Marines killed and wounded in a shocking manner, but I saw nothing like the ghastliness that hung over the Iwo beachhead. Nothing any of us had ever known could compare with the other anguish, frustration, and constant inner battle to maintain some semblance of sanity. Even though the flag was planted on the fourth day, the entire battle would take another 36 days. The Marines immortalized the bloodiest battles on Iwo with names such as Meat Grinder, where nearly 850 Marines died capturing a Japanese stronghold, and Bloody Gorge, where Japan made its final stand. Of the 21,000 Japanese defending the island, 18,000 died in combat or from suicide. The Marines captured 216 Japanese soldiers. According to the National World War II Museum, there were approximately 70,000 Marines that took part in that 36 days. Nearly 7,000 were killed, with another 20,000 wounded. The island was finally secured on March 26th, but it was one of the bloodiest battles in Marine history. Admiral Nimitz later said, Among the men who fought on Iwo Jima, uncommon value was a common virtue. So now we're going to talk about Weber County boys in the 4th and 5th Marines that fought on Iwo Jima. One was Private First Class Lee M. Wagner, Jr., and on June 23rd of 1943, the Standard reported, Lee Wagner, son of Lee Wagner of 948 22nd Street, left last Friday for San Diego with the U.S. Marine Corps. Private Wagner is a graduate of Ogden High School and was formerly a newsboy and later a stereotype worker for the Ogden Standard Examiner. After training in a California camp, he will be assigned to duty. And then in August of 1943, there was another article, Lee Wagner Gains Furlough. 
Lee Wagner Jr., son of Mr. Lee Wagner of 948 22nd Street, is home on a 10-day furlough, having completed boot camp in the U.S. Marine Corps in San Diego, California. Private Wagner, who qualified for training with the world's roughest infantry unit, the Marine Raiders, will return to San Diego at the end of his furlough for orders for further combat, conditioning, and training. Private Wagner won marksmanship medals while firing on the famed Marine Rifle Range at Cap Calvin B. Matthews, 14 miles from the base. He also carries qualification bars for rifle, carbine, and bayonet. He will report back on August 20th. Then, almost a year later, on August 31st, 1944, there was an article, Receives Wound in Island Battle. Private Lee Wagner was reported wounded in action on July 31st while serving with the Marine Corps in the South Pacific. It is believed he was wounded during the Saipan fighting. An extent of his wound was not stated in the official telegram. He later wrote to his father, describing how he was wounded, and his letter read in part, on June 15th, we hit Saipan with everything we had. Our landing was very successful. We reached our assembly areas and got started for our jump off. When artillery and mortar shells started landing in our area, we were near a swamp and started digging. In the early evening, we moved out after the shelling had subsided. It seemed as we just got out when it started all over again. A shell exploded and ripped a hole in my helmet and I went down for the count. When I came to, my eyes were full of blood and my head ached. I crawled to the edge of a foxhole and went to sleep for the night. We were shelled all night. The next day, the Japs tried to blow us out again. We held to the line that was later known as Suicide Hill. The battle lasted for three days, and I met a boy from Ogden by the name of David Sonny Porter. So in 1944, his dad had received a telegram, and there was about to be another one. On March 18th of 1945, the paper read, Iwo Jima Battle Claims Ogdenite. Private First Class Lee Wagner, son of Lee Wagner of 948 22nd, was killed in action on February 19th, 1945. That was the day of the landing on Iwo Jima Volcano Island while serving with the Marine Corps. Private First Class Wagner was born in Ogden in November of 1924 and is a graduate of Ogden High School. Af- former employee of the newspaper. He enlisted in the Marine Corps in April of 1943 and had served overseas for 16 months. He was awarded the Purple Heart and Gold Star for wounds received during the invasion of Saipan. A member of the 4th Marine Division, he was wounded by shell fragments on the first day of the Saipan invasion and was treated in the field. He was wounded again by shell fragments during the closing phases of the Tinian Battle. He is survived by a father, his sister, and June Wagner, and an aunt, Mrs. Wilhelmina Vanderhul of Ogden. On Tuesday, April 3rd of 1945, memorial services for Private First Class Lee Wagner, who was killed in action on February 19th on Iwo Jima, will be held Thursday, April 5th at 7.30 p.m. in the LDS 20th Ward at 1040 21st Street. Lawrence H. Evans, R.S.G. Belknap, and Bishop Volney Belknap will be the principal speakers. The families request that no flowers be sent. And on May 24, 1945, Ogden Marine is lauded. Marine Corporal Private Lee M. Wagner was a brave and courageous American who made the ultimate sacrifice for his country. He was mortally wounded by jet machine gun fire when the first Marine waves hit the shell, swept beaches of Iwo Jima. He felt no pain. 
It goes on to say the above was contained in a letter of condolence received by Private Wagner's father, written by Lieutenant Garfield M. Randall, commander of C Company, of which Private Wagner was a member. The letter goes on to say that he had been buried in the 4th Marine Cemetery on Iwo. Private Wagner held the Purple Heart with a gold star for having been wounded twice by shell fragments in the invasion of Tinian and Saipan. And as we've talked about before, families often had the um, choice of whether to have their son's remains brought back to the United States, and Private Wagner's father decided to do that. On December 10th, 1948, an article reads, Graveside Services for Private First Class Lee Wagner, 20, killed in action on February 19th, 1945 on Iwo Jima, will be conducted Monday at 11 a.m. at the Alturas Memorial Park. Military honors will be accorded by the American Legion, Baker Merrill Post Number 9, as directed by the mortuary. The family requests no flowers. Surviving are his father of Ogden, a sister, Mrs. Clyde Young of Ogden, a grandfather, Cornelius Van Luke of Rotterdam, Holland, and an aunt with whom he had resided since the death of his mother when he was young, Mrs. Wilhelmina Vanderhul of Ogden. So that's our Marine from the 4th Marines, and we'll talk about uh, Howard Hansen, who was in the 5th Marine Regiment. And in March of 1945, there's an article, Private Howard C. Hansen, 17, of the U.S. Marine Corps was killed in action on Iwo Jima on March 12th, according to word received from the Navy Department. He was born in Idaho Falls, Idaho, on November 16, 1927, a son of F.R. and Juanita Criddle Hansen. He attended schools in Idaho Falls, Los Angeles, and Ogden. Private Hansen enrolled in December of 43 and left for San Diego for boot training in January of 44. So he enrolled a month after he turned 16, which seems really odd to me that they're taking 16-year-old Marines. He was assigned as a scout in the Marine Rangers at Camp Pendleton, California. He left for overseas duty in September of 1944. He was stationed in Hawaii until January of 1945. He turned 17 in November of 1944. He went into battle at Iwo Jima with the 5th Marine, 28th Regiment, 5th Division. He was a member of the LDS Church, and he would have been a part of those who were taking um, Suribachi. Besides his parents, Mr. and Mrs. F.R. Hansen, K-4 Victory Road in Washington Terrace, he has one sister, Mrs. Marjorie Dockstetter, San Francisco, and grandparents, Mr. and Mrs. Henry Criddle of Idaho Falls. Memorial services will be held later. On June 12th of 1945, there was an article in the News and Views section of the paper. Quote, the following is a poem sent to me by Private First Class Harvey Nudaboom of Ogden, who is in a hospital recovering from wounds received on Iwo Jima on March 12th. My son, Private Howard C. Hanson, was killed in the same battle and on the same day, and Harvey was kind enough to write me and later send me this poem. I hope you will find room for it in your column. The author seems to have been not one but a group of survivors of the battle. As Harvey writes, it expresses more clearly than I could how we all feel. You have my permission to print the note also. Signed, Mrs. Juanita Hansen of Washington Terrace. They all met God on Iwo. At last it's quiet on Iwo. At last the battle is won. And we who are left say a prayer of thanks because our job is done. 
In the shadow of Mount Suribachi, where crosses mark our dead, we read the names of buddies and stand with bended head. We recall good times together and the sacrifices shared, but we can't see why they had to die while the rest of us were spared. So we say to you, and truly, our hearts are filled with pain, but we know some distant day we shall all meet again. And if one should ask me how I know, I would just reply, we all met God on Iwo, not just those who had to die. So to their loved ones back home, hold your heads with pride, for they are all true heroes, the Marines who fought and died. And to all mankind throughout our land, let's not forget their pain. This time, let's build a lasting peace so their death will not be in vain. On August 5th of 1945, there was an article, Memorial Services for Private Howard C. Hansen, 17 of the U.S. Marine Corps, will be held today at the LDS Church in Idaho Falls. Private Hansen was killed in action on Iwo Jima on March 12th of 1945 while serving with the 5th Marine Division, the 28th Regiment. So I couldn't find any record of the Hansons requesting that their son's body be shipped back home. I found out that all of the bodies from Iwo Jima and other Pacific battles were um, reburied in the National Memorial of the Pacific in Honolulu. There were over 13,000 men who were buried there. So there you have part of the Iwo Jima story. There is more, including two more who died um, that we'll talk about next time. And also our own George Wallen from Ogden, who won his Congressional Medal of Honor for his battle on Iwo Jima. So we'll talk about those three next time. Thanks for joining. Remember, the podcast is available on iTunes or on my Facebook page, Weber County's Greatest Generation, and on the website, Weber County's Greatest Generation. Thank you.